everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester, joined as always by Mike Tagliere. We've got a sleeper episode. You can follow us on Twitter at BobbyFantasyPro and at Mike Tagliere NFL. So Tags, as I understand it, you went to Soldier Field yesterday. I'm assuming they had open tryouts for a new starting quarterback? Obviously. I mean, yeah, the, <laughs> a starting quarterback. I'm going to go try out for that. I was at Soldier Field. As if they need one, by the way. I mean, let, let me ask you this, Tags. Mitch Trubisky had a 66.6% completion rating last year, 7.4 yards per attempt. How many times do you think Brady's done both of those things in his career? Mm, you're setting me up to make it seem like it's a low number. Um, I'm not I'm not going to compare him to Brady, obviously, but it's just two, man. Two? It's just two times the 16 and 0 season. And then the year he went 11 and one after Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo started the year. Brady's only done that twice. Trubisky's a kid, man. He's got a good career ahead of him. Yeah, he's he's really young. But it, but I was at Soldier Field, actually, and uh, we did this. I was able to play golf at Soldier Field. It was really neat. Um, it was like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. My wife, uh, me and a bunch of friends, uh, they did it for Father's Day. So it was like a late Father's Day thing. So I actually played uh, bags, which if people have told me that I'm wrong, that it's called cornhole, but I, I call it bags. Uh, I played bags in Soldier Field and golf. So that was really cool. I like that, man. That sounds awesome to do that at your favorite stadium as well. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it was the first time back there since, uh, you know, being there for the double doink uh, kick. And so there were some bad memories walking up the steps to Soldier Field. But at the same time, it was good to be back. (laughs) I forgot that you were there for that game. That's so sad for you, man. Okay, so uh, here's the plan. We've got a sleeper episode today. We're going deep sleeper. So only players with ADP outside the top 120. That's after 10 rounds of drafting, uh, so players you will be able to get towards the end of your drafts. First, though, Tags and I are going to talk about this Melvin Gordon news. We also want to talk a little bit about Carlos Hyde, Damian Williams, and uh, Tags, I believe you had something else to talk about, some potential rule change in the NFL that's actually really interesting. Before we jump into that, though, I want to talk about our cheat sheet creator, Tags. It is the easiest way on the internet. You can look for days. You won't find something easier to create a cheat sheet for your draft, whether it's an auction league or whatever. You can instantly import any rankings from the web, from your personal spreadsheet, and you can combine multiple expert cheat sheets into one consensus cheat sheet. It's basically cheating, hence why it's called a cheat sheet. And premium members, you'll be able to customize your rankings through a simple drag and drop interface, create player tiers with a click of a button, and import and edit player notes. You can also export rankings into our simulator, as Tags has talked about. We're into our draft assistant. All the customization work will be done for you, so you don't have to spend hours doing it. Uh, Tags, that's one of my favorite features on the site, man. Yeah, it's really neat. You know, you'll see a lot of things with, uh, like, auction values, like people printing off cheat sheets. But the thing is, is, like, a lot of times scoring can be different. Your league size can be different, everything. So what what happens with DraftWizard is you're able to plug in all your league settings, the rankings that you want, and say, give me an auction cheat sheet based on this, and it will do that for you. And so I have a lot of people, you know, on Twitter ask me about, you know, how should I value people? People in auction should I be willing to go above or beyond basically it spits it out to where it should be pretty much in line with what the values should be for those players obviously you can move them here and there give yourself some wiggle room but at the same time it's really neat it kind of takes the legwork out of it so tags I'm talking about these premium tools and every once in a while I get something from someone saying you know these premium tools sound awesome but like I just can't talk my wife into spending the money every single month on fantasy football um, well here's here's an offer for you okay guys you can get a free six-month subscription. It's a $65 value for just 10 bucks. All you have to do is be a new user to Yahoo DFS 
and you deposit $10 into Yahoo DFS through our offer at fantasypros.com slash offer. And then you can win money with that $10 too. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Tell your wife she can set the lineup with the $10 and then you get Fantasy Pro subscription for free for six months. That sounds pretty fun. I mean, I, I, I've literally done this with friends. My friends will like, they'll create like a 25 cent lineup for their, their wife or girlfriend to, uh, to create in DFS. And it, and it makes the games more enjoyable for them. Yeah, and it gives you access to all our premium features, tools, content, like the stuff we were talking about in the cheat sheet just a minute ago. But again, you have to be a new user to Yahoo DFS at fantasypros.com slash offer is where you can enter. Uh, now, Tags, we said we were going to talk about Melvin Gordon. He's apparently demanding a trade if he can't get a new contract. I don't think anyone wants a Le'Veon Bell type of situation, neither his camp nor the Chargers. So are they going to come to an agreement or are they going to trade him? Is anyone going to want him? He's a running back. Yeah, I would have to think they're going to come to some sort of agreement. I don't think he has the leverage that Le'Veon Bell did, um, like even to say that he's going to sit out because he's in the final year of his rookie deal. It's it's very cheap. He wants to get to free agency if he can. Um, so basically, they can franchise tag him next year if they wanted to, and they can do that for two years. And then you're you're essentially wasting the best some of the best years of his career. So he's not as young as Le'Veon Bell was when he was going through this. Uh, so he's getting older, and. I mean, nobody's going to trade for a running back at this day and age. They just nobody trades for running backs. And if he was traded to a team, the expectation would be that he'd get a new contract. No one wants to pay running backs right now. A lot of those salary caps are filled throughout free agency. I happen to think this is a lot of noise. I, I think that he's making it public so that he lets the Chargers know he's serious, that he wants a new contract. And I mean, he's played up. Even if he just gets an extra $500,000, like we're talking about $500,000. Going out and saying something like this might do the trick. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, the Bucks are a natural fit. They've got Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. They need a running back. Bruce Arians already said he doesn't want a star running back. He doesn't need a star running back. He's not going to go out and trade for Melvin Gordon and sign him for $14 million. Yeah, nobody's trading for Melvin Gordon. So I, I think the best case scenario for both, for all parties involved, Melvin Gordon has played above his contract. Rookies, they kind of get screwed because running backs, they're, they're used and abused and then thrown out of the league. So he has to capitalize. This is one situation where I don't mind what Melvin Gordon's doing because he has outplayed that contract. And running backs, they just don't stick around as long as they used to. So he's got to capitalize while he's in the prime of his career i agree with that you know i disagree though i think someone would trade for him potentially houston because they i think their win now i think their window is to win now with the defense as it is deshaun watson who knows how long he's going to last behind that offensive line 62 sacks last year or the dolphins uh i i think the dolphins are a major wild card what do you think about this one though the chiefs imagine the chiefs upgrading from williams to melvin gordon tex that's uh, no, I, I can't. Andy Reid's aggressive in trades, but you know what he does with running backs. It doesn't matter who his running back is. I don't think it could happen. I think it's unnecessary for sure. Like I said, I don't see Melvin Gordon going anywhere, though. So speaking of Damian Williams tags, uh, you and I have been talking this preseason about, you know, maybe Carlos Hyde might take the job from him. We thought he was more talented. You uh, brought up a stat that kind of finalized it for me that we were wrong about this i've been heading that direction a little bit lately and uh, now i'm pretty sure so can you uh share this stat so we can just put a cap on it say we were wrong i'm drafting damon williams in the late second round. <laughs> yeah i've been working on this article basically it's an article that you know running backs how many times have you heard people tell you that yards per carry doesn't matter because this guy gets carries inside the five yard line that's going to drag down his his uh potential ceiling for yards per carry he's short yardage so i'm doing an article right now working on it it's going to be 
out later this month where I basically go through the running backs and wide receivers and I look at where they were targeted on the field, where they got their carries on the field, and every single carry from depending on where it's at on the field, they have an estimated value, okay? So red zone carries obviously have more inside the five-yard line. They have more. Carlos Hyde, over the last two years, has scored 83.6 fantasy points less than the average running back in the NFL would have given his exact carries, okay? 83.6, he finished dead last in 2017, and he was second to last in 2018. So Carlos Hyde has been pretty crappy, um, even though he was a fantasy viable option. Basically, where his carries were taking place, he should have netted a lot more fantasy points. No other running back in the last two years has totaled below 59 and a half points. So his 83.6 that he's left on the table... Yeah, I told Bobby we should probably back off that whole Carlos Hyde thing because he obviously is just not as good as we thought with the carries he's getting. He can break tackles, but Damian Williams, it's his job to run with. I have my durability concerns about him. Damian Williams, he's RB15 in my rankings right now just because of those durability concerns. But if he's healthy, he's a starter. I've got him RB15 as well. I've moved him up ahead of Marlon Mack. Josh Jacobs, Devonta Freeman. He's just behind Aaron Jones and Leonard Fournette, just to give you an idea of the tier. And I moved Austin Eckler up too, just in case. I, I'm not certain that he would be the workhorse. I think we saw in London that that didn't really work. And then they used Justin Jackson. He went off for 85 yards and a touchdown in his start. So I got Eckler right now as my running back 35. I've got uh, Justin Jackson. I moved him up to running back 49. We'll see what happens with Melvin Gordon. But Tags, let me ask you this. Let's say Melvin Gordon gets traded, or he doesn't get traded and he gets hurt. Austin Eckler, are you drafting him in the top fifteen running backs? No, not at all. Uh, not even close. Actually, he'd probably be around that. He'd probably be around that RB twenty-five to thirty range for me. So you think that he just wouldn't fill the role, or that he's just so much worse than Melvin Gordon? Uh, no, I just don't think he'd fill the role. He wouldn't be the workhorse. I don't think that's the role he's designed for. I don't think that's what the Chargers want him to do. Uh, I think Justin Jackson would be in a timeshare with him. Eckler would probably get 60% of the work, uh, but that's, to me, that's in the territory like a Mark Ingram, Lamar Miller. I'd probably take Lamar Miller over him, to be honest with you. So I, I just feel like it'd be somewhat of a timeshare, so I'm not, I'm not excited about it. Interesting. Okay. All right, man. Well, let's move on to our sleepers and uh, we've got 10 of them prepared each. And, you know, usually we just count them backwards, 10, 9, 8, all the way to 1. But then you always steal my number one pick with like your number three and you completely steal my thunder or vice versa. Let's be fair. So we're going to do it differently today. We're going to start with our number one. Now, Tags, don't you take my number one right now. This is your chance. To <laughs> well, I found out after doing my list that you actually went a little bit deeper outside of yours. So I, my, our number ones would definitely not match. I know that. So if, if you don't want me to steal it, we could start on the other end. We could. I mean, I'm not worried about it. My number one has an ADP outside the top 300. So. All right. So let's start with 10. I want to I want to do I want to do a <laughs> countdown. I want to work our way down to one. All right. So my number 10 player is James Washington. Uh, James Washington, his current ADP is uh, 123 overall. Uh, all the players on my list are outside the top 100. There's a lot of them outside the top 150, but he's at 123 overall. James Washington, he has to contend with Dante Moncrief for that starting spot opposite Juju Smith-Schuster. And I... I believe that he should win that spot. Uh, you know, the career arc we've talked about in the show and the fact that it's similar to Devontae Adams, where Devontae Adams was extremely bad his rookie season. Efficiency-wise, it was bad. James Washington, what he was doing in practice wasn't translating to the field, but Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger continually pumped this guy up, saying he's going to be a star, it's just a matter of time, and he just has to transfer what he's doing on the practice field to the game. And I think James Washington is a fantasy sleeper this year that, you know, you don't have to draft him as a top 36 guy, but he could finish is a top 24 receiver at year's end tags if he does start 
how many of Antonio Brown's 168 vacated targets is he going to get? I think we could see him in the 90 target territory because Vance McDonald's going to get some of those targets. Jesse James is also gone. Some of the running backs are going to get those targets. And Ben Roethlisberger is not going to throw 675 passes again. Correct. And on top of that, Juju Smith-Schuster can't see a, a massive bump because I want to say that he may, have, he may have led the league in targets. He was in the top three. We know that. So he was already seeing a ton of targets. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and uh, Juju had 166 targets, more than DeAndre Hopkins, while Zach Ertz was in the top six. Did you know that? Yeah, that's crazy. It was the most It was the most targets uh, to a tight end ever. Holy cow, dude. All right, so I've got James Washington, wide receiver 40, right behind Sterling Shepard, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel. Do you have him that high? I don't have him that high yet, just because I, I don't know. There's a chance that Dante Moncrief does start, and that's like the concern for me. That's why I'm unwilling. I mean, we're going to find out once training camp starts and everything like that. We see preseason games. We're going to find out if he's running with the starters. They may mix and match him and just see who. But I think it's harder for Moncrief, given the fact that it's his first year in the offense with Roethlisberger, whereas James Washington, he's had a full year to work with Roethlisberger. They like him. They want him to succeed. So I happen to think that James Washington will move up in my rankings, probably to right around that wide receiver 40 mark if we see you know him like running with the starters and didn't they say when they drafted and they were every bit as confident in his development as Juju Smith-Schuster like the Steelers know what they're doing with wide receivers Jake Seeley when he was on our show he said that he was able to talk to Mike Tomlin at some event I can't remember what it was uh, but he had mentioned that Mike Tomlin looked at him straight in the face and said we like James Washington just as much as we liked Juju Smith-Schuster when they came out so like holy cow so they're still fans of him Uh, that's why I happen to think they want him to win the job and if he doesn't it's just because he's not ready yeah, and that's why I've got James Washington so much higher is because, I mean, let's be honest, he has more upside than anybody else in this range. Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, Larry Fitzgerald, probably not as much upside as Geronimo Allison. He's got more upside than Will Fuller. Uh, I think he's got more upside than Devontae Parker. All these guys, Christian Kirk. And so I, I'm willing to take a little bit of a risk in what the 10th round is where he's going right now. Yeah, that, uh, he's going at 123. So it's the 11th round in 12 teamers. So it's that's like an area you, you could reach a round or two if you want to ensure to get him. All right. Here's my number 10. Uh, there's only a few backup running backs I like besides the obvious ones. Rashad Penny, Royce Freeman, Darrell Henderson. Um, one is Malcolm Brown. I think one is Jalen Samuels or Benny Snell could fit in nicely. We don't know who it would be, though. Uh, Tony Pollard, if he would get the job in, in Dallas, could be great. Obviously, Tags and I both love Damian Harris as well, but my other guy is Ryquel Armstead. He's my number 10 sleeper. He runs like Chris Carson, and he's the clear backup for the glass running back Leonard Fournette in a run-heavy offense with a plus run-blocking offensive line. If Fournette gets hurt for the year in the preseason, I'd draft Armstead probably in the fourth round. He'd be a 100% fab guy if it happened in the middle of the season. Oh, that's a tough one for me. I do believe that he should be the handcuff, but I don't know if we know that for certain because they did sign Alfred Blue in free agency. And if like if even if we go back to the Texans, <laughs> uh, Alfred Blue is backing up uh, Lamar Miller, not Deontay Foreman. Uh, so it, it's it's possible that, you know, people just like the coaches like Alfred Blue more for whatever reason. Uh, but Reichwell Armstead, rookie running back. Obviously, I have no age concerns about running backs. You know, right when they come in the league, they can produce. So I, I just don't like the offense very much. Like, I don't feel like it's an offense that's going to produce very many points. So even if for whatever, if something did happen to Fournette and he was out for the year, Armstead would probably be like a borderline RB2 for me. Like at that low end RB2, high end RB3 conversation most weeks. Yeah, I think he has a little bit more upside than that just because I don't know what else they're going to do. Like Nick Foles isn't throwing 600 passes. So, um, you know, we'll see. I, hopefully Fournette stays healthy the entire season. Let me ask you this, Tex, before we move on to a sleeper number nine. What do you qualify as a sleeper? Like it's got to be someone who hasn't done it before. 
does it have to be someone that nobody's talking about or can Keelan Cole last year, can he still be a sleeper? Marvin Jones the year before, Antonio Brown way back when, when everyone was saying these guys were sleepers. Yeah, it's really tough to define the term sleeper anymore because like now that the internet's a thing, like back before, like when you had to pick up magazines, there were true things such as sleepers where these were literally guys like last year, Geronimo, if the internet wasn't around, people would not have heard of Geronimo Allison. So that would have been the definition of sleeper. But because of, you know, podcasts and, and, you know, our website and things like that and the internet altogether, sleeper really doesn't exist anymore because there's a lot of people out there that are going to throw names at a wall and hope they stick. Because, you know what, if you say, like, let's pretend that you say, you know, D.D. Westbrook is going to go off this year and you throw that against the wall. If it sticks, people are going to remember that. I've never been that type. I've always been the type where I'm like a logical thinker and it's like, anybody can break out but it's like finding the most you know like the player with the best chance to actually do that so to me the guy who gives you the best odds of helping you win your fantasy league that's what it's about it's not about being right yeah and so to me that's like outside the top 100 players picked because now you're at a point in the draft where you start reaching for your players and if you believe in the sleepers that you're talking about that means you have to reach a full round if not two rounds to grab them so i mean we're talking around the 10th round is basically where things come into play. Some people will say that's not a sleeper, but I would argue that sleepers don't exist anymore. So like, yeah, I I think that's a good way to put it. So like Tyler Boyd was a breakout guy last year. If someone would have said he was a sleeper last year, you would have called them crazy. But yet these guys happen every single year. So we're trying to target who could be that guy based on opportunity, based on talent, based on scheme. And I think it has to be someone with some upside. Like we're not talking about guys who could be a bye week or injury fill-in. We want someone with upside that you could start every single week if the chips fall the right way. All right, so who do you have number nine then? Go figure. It is your boy. It's David Moore. I know he's going to be on your... I actually didn't include him in my list just because I've been talking about him so much. Otherwise, you know he'd be number one. Yeah, he's at 256 overall right now. He's not even being drafted in in the majority of leagues. But David Moore... I'll I'll be clear. I actually am drafting him in 12-team leagues right now. Yeah, I mean... He's like a guy that you should take a chance on at the end of your draft. Like like you're in the 15th round and it's like you snag him there. You are spending zero equity to get him and you're going to find out really quick if he's a starter. As of right now, it sounds like he is. It sounds like he's going to start opposite Tyler Lockett in two wide receiver sets. And he's obviously going to stay on the field when they go three wide. So and maybe that doesn't last. Maybe DK Metcalf is really good and does take the job or David Moore disappoints. But what I'm saying is you've got a guy who has a chance to lead the team in targets with an all pro quarterback. Yeah, that's basically what you're looking for. You're you're looking for someone that's tied to, you know, that elite quarterback that produces fantasy superstars. And with Doug Baldwin gone, it's just so many people are going to say that, you know, they don't throw the ball enough. And I would agree that they don't throw the ball enough with Russell Wilson. But knowing that the OC is in place for the second year, typically you, you see more pass attempts when that's when the coaching staff stays in place. You're going to see more pass attempts the following season. The question is how many, you know, how far back does this defense fall uh, towards the end of the last year? They didn't look very good. So. David Moore has, you know, top 36 wide receiver upside. I don't I don't think that I would say he's he has top 20 upside, but top 36, I can see that. Yeah, so I just want to say this stat, the Seahawks were obviously last in pass attempts last year. And if you go back over the last decade, on average the team who was last in pass attempts increased by 5 pass attempts per game. The following year, I think the Seahawks are likely to do that. I, I can't imagine they're going to run as much as they did. And uh, if they do, and Baldwin's uh, targets are vacated, Brandon Marshall, I talked about at the beginning of the season last year, was leading the team in targets. He's gone. I think that David Moore could be that guy, and he gets maybe 100, 110 targets. That could be awesome. He's a talented player. 
if he sees 100 plus targets, he's a steal, like absolute steal. That means he's going to be a fantasy starter because Russell Wilson, like going over the years, if you look at completion percentage to wide receivers, Russell Wilson is like always near the top. So it's like, you know, those 100 targets mean more than most players. All right, Tags, I'm going with a two quarterback special here. And and frankly, you could use this guy in a one quarterback league, but I'd say as a streamer, a lot of you guys do play in two quarterback leagues, though. And this is somebody that you can get after the last 10 rounds, uh, maybe even in a two quarterback league. It's uh, Lamar Jackson. So we keep talking about Jackson's floor, right? Tags, what about his ceiling? He rushed for 556 yards and seven starts, people. He completed a higher percentage of his passes than Sam Darnold. He had more yards per attempt, too. Heck, he had as many yards per attempt as Andrew Luck. If the Ravens throw 27 times per game, which was the least in football last year, Jackson would have had an extra 20 pass attempts because he only threw 22 per game last year. That calculates to an expected 1.7 fantasy points per game. And it might sound like, you know, it's it's not that much, but that would move him up to 19.1 per game, which is more than Russell Wilson scored and just behind Aaron Rodgers tags. Can I combat that, though? Because if he's throwing the ball five more times per game, that's taking away rushing attempts from him. OK, that's true. Yeah. So it probably takes away one or two rushing attempts. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, if you if you look at the rushing attempts, I think that it was almost split in half between him and the running back. So you're looking at two and a half less carries, which obviously brings it down. I would much rather have him run the ball. The issue with Lamar Jackson to me is that he doesn't have the the, the passing upside like. I want to say that there wasn't a game last year where he finished better than like QB eight or QB 10, but he was always in that, like in that, in that range of like QB 12 to QB 14. So he's like, he's a safe quarterback. And I think you're fine. If you want to play with him in one quarterback leagues, just don't expect him to finish as a top three fantasy quarterback, just because the passing chops just aren't there. So Michael Vick was the number one fantasy quarterback back in. I don't remember what year it was. He had 900 or a thousand rushing yards. Lamar Jackson could feasibly get to 1200 this year. That would be expecting a lot. I, I I would set the over. I mean, that's the that's the pace he was on last year in seven games. I wonder what the over under is in Vegas on that. Like on Lamar Jackson, I would probably set it somewhere around eight hundred, which is still high. Actually, pro rate it, it was a uh, twelve hundred and seventy one, so quite a bit higher than twelve hundred. I I would bet on over a thousand rushing Ooh. yards for Lamar Jackson this year. I might want to take you up on that bet. All right, and I'll say the same thing. If Kyler Murray plays sixteen games. I think he beats Lamar Jackson. I think he's a be- he's the best Russian quarterback the NFL's ever seen. I-, I think Lamar Jackson is the better, more mobile quarterback. I-, I think that he's the one that could put up Vic style like video game numbers. Whereas Kyler Murray, wow, he's a better passer than he's a better passer and he's a better runner. Man, he is so good. I can't wait to watch him play. Regardless of what he does in fantasy, I just want to see him playing Cliff Kingsbury's offense. It's gonna be something, man. I can't. I I can't wait to see who's right and wrong on him. All right, what do you have at number eight, man? Number eight. I mean. We had an award show at the end of last season, and I said the Never Again Award, and I have to take it back. I have to take it back because um, <laughs> Devontae Parker, I, here's what I'm going to say about it, because I've talked about Devontae Parker a lot on the show recently. I was like, how can I describe this in a way that people will understand it? Okay, Bobby, do you think Adam Gase is a good coach? <laughs> I mean, there's going to be a lot of uh, excited Jets fans who are mad at me, but no, I think he's the worst coach in football. Yeah, he's he's, he's bottom three, absolutely. I had him second worst, right behind Doug Marone. Um, but... Uh, do you think that Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback? Depends on what you mean by good quarterback. Good enough to uh, to start in the NFL. I think he's a top 32 NFL quarterback. Do you want him running your franchise? No, no. I want Ryan Fitzpatrick in there, baby. So why the hell are we basing our opinions on 
Adam Gase and Ryan Tannehill run offense about Devontae Parker. Like, we all know that Adam Gase has held grudges against players. We all know that. We all know Kenyon Drake. And Devontae Parker had some injuries. Like, do you remember when, uh, Tags, I don't know how close you follow the NBA. Kawhi Leonard sat out for the San Antonio Spurs because he had a calf injury, the same one that got Kevin Durant the torn Achilles. And Spurs fans were so mad at him. The coach was mad at him. They were like, why aren't you playing? They traded him to Toronto, and the rest is history. Uh, Devontae Parker didn't play through some knickknack injuries. We don't know what was going on there. He was hurt. When he's been on the field, he's been good. He has been. I'm sorry. Last year, that's what people remember, and I understand that. I, I know there's a recency bias to all this, but the Dolphins, you know, re-signing him as soon as they got rid of Gase, it kind of says a lot. And we knew that Gase was holding a grudge against him because even when he came back into the lineup, and there was that, I think it was a Monday night game against the Texans where nobody wanted to play Devontae Parker, but he went off for like over 100 yards and he was targeted. If Ryan Fitzpatrick's the starter, Devontae Parker should be drafted as a top 40 wide receiver. I don't know if Fitzpatrick is going to start or not, but Devontae Parker is one of those guys that I believe has top 20 upside. Ooh, man, that is a hot take, and I love it. Devontae Parker right now is ADP's wide receiver 69. I've got him wide receiver 49, man. There you go. I mean, see, I've got him ahead of David Moore. Yeah, I have him ahead of David Moore, too. I have uh, Devontae Parker. I have him at 52, so I'm not even as high as you right now. I'm waiting to see. I happen to think it's going to be Rosen under center, which is going to drag him down a little bit, but targets could be there. I don't know, man. It better not be Rosen. Here's my number eight. You ready for this? It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Nice. Ryan, this is a two-quarterback special as well. But frankly, if he starts, he could make a case for him being a top 12 fantasy quarterback. Listen to this. I said last show, Ryan Fitzpatrick played 28 quarters. I was wrong. He played 26 quarters last year. Let's prorate that out to a full 64. That's a 16-game season, which would make 5,824 passing yards or, you know, 728 more than Patrick Mahomes. 42 passing touchdowns, 347 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns, 379 fantasy points tags. That's way more than the number three fantasy quarterback. He would have been the number two fantasy quarterback. And I get it. Different offerings, different supporting cast. He might not start. But what if he does start? The Dolphins are playing down. Fitzmagic is slinging passes all over the yard. So does he drop 15% of his protection? Heck, let's say 25%. He's still the QB 10 if he drops 25%. I'll buy this lottery ticket and hope for a 40-year-old gunslinging Brett Favre with the Vikings <laughs> to show up and do his thing. I am not with you on this one. I, I can't even... I know you're not. I know. I, even in a two-quarterback format, you want a quarterback that's locked in to start, and he's not. He's my QB3. And you know what? If he breaks out, I am winning my league. Yeah, like if you're in a Scott Fishbowl and you want to take him as your QB3, I'm okay with that. Like to sit on your bench and if he gets some starts, like he might put up some numbers. And he's shown the ability to like support fantasy wide receivers. That's why I want him as the starter instead of Josh Rosen. But the Dolphins is a franchise. If I was running the Dolphins, I, I would be starting Josh Rosen just because I have to find out what he's made of. Also tags over under. If Fitzpatrick starts 16 games, he throws 22.5 interceptions. <laughs> If he started all 16 games, I'll say under. It's just it's rare to see quarterbacks throw that many interceptions anymore. You know, like uh, like he did last season when he threw 12 in uh, in what was it 26 quarters? Yeah, that's that's not great. All right, tags. Before we move on to number seven, I want to talk a little bit about pristine auction. Did you guys know it's free to register, free to bid? I get this question all the time. You don't have to pay. You only pay when you win. And guys, when you register, you can get five dollars off if you just enter Fantasy Pros, all one word, as the registration code. It also tells Pristine Auction that our listeners are actually going to Pristine Auction. That way, we can keep doing these giveaways, like the one we have going out right now. We're giving away a signed Travis Kelsey Chiefs helmet. If you go to FantasyPros.com/contest, and you know most people think they can't afford this type of stuff 
I'd encourage you just go to the website, pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. Take a look for yourself. You're going to find some great values there. Everything's guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources. And Tags, I'm keeping my eye out right now for a signed Darnell Savage Packers helmet. If you find one, you let me know, man, because uh, I want that bad boy. You get out of here. Don't buy a Packers helmet. <laughs> don't you have a Packers helmet? No, I don't. I don't yet because I'm waiting to find a, a good one, a good price on Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. Get a Darnell Savage one, man. You won't regret it. But no, I'm not doing that. But uh, I, I did order an item that actually yesterday. I got an Allen Robinson signed jersey. I needed a new Bears jersey. Nice. I needed a new Bears jersey because my last one was a Jay Cutler jersey. I'm not going to wear that anymore. So Allen Robinson, <laughs> a signed Allen Robinson with sewn on letters and everything, forty three bucks. Awesome, dude. That's really nice. Yeah, so now I could wear it if I want to, or I could just display it in my basement. You know, Tags, before we get back into our uh, sleepers, I had said that we were going to talk about this uh, this news story that the NFL might want to add some rule, and I totally forgot about it because I was excited to talk sleepers. Uh, so let's jump into it right now. What are you hearing? So apparently the NFL has proposed to the NFL Players Association that, they're, that they move to an 18-game season but that players have a 16-game limit. So therefore, every player would have to sit for two weeks during the season. Now, there's no like there's no dates that you have to set, and it would create this weird dynamic in fantasy football where it's like, okay, now you could probably do fantasy playoffs all the way through week 18 because like now you're going to have different bye weeks essentially for your players in between, and those games at the end of the season might mean a lot more to teams because they've rested their players or they haven't, whatever the case may be. So do you think... what? What do you think the chances are this happens? 10, 20%? I don't even know. I think eventually I think it's going to be two preseason games and an 18 game schedule. They're going to be working on the CBA this offseason. I know that. I don't, I'm not opposed to it. And I think the players association should be all about it in terms of like, it gives their players other, like a couple bye weeks. It's basically, you get three bye weeks in a season for players. So I think it's a good thing for the players. Sure. Lots of strategy and fantasy football too. I think it would be fun. I think this doesn't happen. This is what I think it is. Have you heard of social judgment theory tags? Mm. It's this idea that um, when you want to convince the masses of something that's a really big move, you do it at you know inches at a time. So you move the anchor from one point to another. I think they're just trying to move the anchor here. I think they want 18 games and they know every team's going to fight. I don't want my quarterback out for two games. Are you kidding me? And so they're going to say, well... We might as well just play 18 games if that's what you guys want, because now we've talked about it and it sounds okay. And here's how they should do it, okay? If you play 16 games at 60 minutes a game, that's 960 minutes for a season. You can drop that number to uh, two minutes per quarter. That's 13-minute quarters. 18 games, that's fewer minutes than you play now. Or heck, you could drop it to 12-minute quarters. So you play shorter games, 20 games, that's 960 minutes. The players are playing the same amount of plays, same amount of minutes. You get 20 games. The NFL makes some serious money. I don't want them to change the time of the quarters and the games. That would drive me nuts. It really would. I, I don't want them to either, but um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they go this direction. I think they want more football. But here's the thing. If the NFL proposed it to the Players Association, this could happen. The reason I say that is because that means the NFL is already like kind of like I agreed to it. So the coaches have no say. The coaches would have to deal with it, essentially. But the Players Association, it's their job to protect players. And if they find out, if they realize they're like, you know what, an 18-game schedule is probably going to come sooner or later. So this might be the best thing for our players because it's their job to protect them. So you're, you're, you're not extending their season. All you're doing is making life more difficult on the head coach is all. 
All right, Tags, let's move on to your number seven now. Yeah, my number seven is Dak Prescott. Uh, we've talked about Dak on this show before and the fact that he's finished as a top 10 quarterback every time he plays. Uh, adding Amari Cooper, you know, he looked even better down the stretch. I want to say that Dak Prescott was the number five quarterback uh, since Amari Cooper joined the Cowboys. And yes, this is going to be a run first team. That's going to happen. But Dak Prescott is still going to get some of those goal line carries because that's what he does every single year. Uh, he has Amari. He has Michael Gallup, who is now in his second year. He was considered a guy that was going to take some development you know, and he, obviously he stepped up as the year went on a little bit, uh, but having Amari Cooper and him on the outside and then Randall Cobb, a veteran, you know, playing the slot, getting Travis Frederick back as his center. There's a lot of things to like about this Cowboys offense, you know, getting rid of Scott Linehan. I think that's only going to help matters. Uh, so I, I do like Dak Prescott. I feel like if you're in a one quarterback league, he's someone you could wait on and be just fine. I think you're fine in a one quarterback league. I love their matchups in the first three weeks. So he's an excellent streamer to start your season. And I think in two quarterback leagues, he's a guy that you want to target. I would love to get Jameis Winston. I'd love to get Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott. You give me two, you give me two of those three guys and I feel really good about myself. You don't have to spend big bucks. Now, I mean, I'd love Aaron Rodgers, but those are my three primary targets. You know, I've talked about uh, Dak Prescott a fair amount before too. And it's funny to call him a sleeper. Like that's assuming he has a chance to finish in the top 10. Tag, since he entered the league, he has more fantasy points than Aaron Rodgers, dude. That's crazy. That, I mean, that's crazy. A, a part of it has to do with missed games, though, right? Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has missed a handful of games, but even still, dude, he's right there with Cam Newton and Big Ben, too. Yeah, Dak Prescott, he's so undervalued. He really is. And I, I don't think he's like a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He can win with this defense. He can win with this offensive line. He's got Zeke. He's got Amari Cooper. Uh, I mean, Joe Flacco won. If he can win, Dak Prescott can win. He's not going to carry a team, but in fantasy... You can rely on him every single week. I, I would tend to agree with that. He offers you a solid floor, too. All right. Number seven. You ready for this, dude? My next three are tight ends. Oh. Number five, by the way. I should, probably should have put it number one because it is so good. It's my favorite one, dude. I'm so pumped about that guy. <laughs> but number seven, we'll start here. I want to talk about someone who's uh, fallen off so many people's radars despite having more fantasy points per quarter than tight end six, Trey Burton. He plays with the most tight end friendly quarterback in the league. Led his team in snaps every time he played, and his ADP is tight end 23. Tags, do you know who I'm talking about? Jack Doyle. It's Jack Doyle. I mean, forget the start of the season when Doyle was the clear starter. Everyone knew he was the starter. Did you know when he came back from injury in week nine, he out-targeted Eric Ebron by 50%? I've talked about the snaps. It was 70 to 30. He also out-targeted him by 50%. In those four weeks, Doyle was sixth in tight end receiving yards, fifth in touchdowns, despite missing the final two quarters with his kidney injury. I think Doyle has a lot of upside. He could start for the Colts over Ebron. He probably will start for the Colts, to be honest with you. The question is, is he used a little bit more in the red zone than he was last year? But Jack Doyle being drafted outside the top 200 right now. So some people might be like, Jack Doyle, we know him. He's, he's performed before. If you're outside the two, top 200, you're absolutely a sleeper. So yeah, Jack Doyle, if you're like one of those guys that you totally miss the boat on tight ends and you want to grab one that potentially can give you, you know, top six upside, Jack Doyle. Yeah, there's also a chance that he goes out in week one and has two receptions for uh, 14 yards, but that's kind of the case with every tight end. So, I mean, I guess you can't go wrong going with someone's for upside. So what if you have to drop him and pick up, you know, Austin Hooper or Delaney Walker, someone like that's going to be out there and it's no worse than, you know, drafting that guy and starting him to begin with. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, who do you have at number six? Number six, I have Anthony Miller. Uh, Anthony Miller, he flashed last year, and uh, you know, in spurts. And to know that he did that coming off of broken foot before the NFL Combine, uh, most people don't realize that when when a player suffers a broken foot, a lot of times it derails their entire season. I don't care if they're a veteran, uh, but Anthony Miller was a rookie coming into that situation, learning a new offense, uh, working with a brand new quarterback. Obviously, you know, moving to the NFL. Five separated shoulders during the season. Exactly, separated shoulder. That's what they said five different times. Did he get that claim? up like is that going to happen again he had surgery this offseason to to help uh fix it so um he should be all good going forward and obviously you know you know he, he's recovering from surgery but he's expected to be ready for training camp so uh anthony miller plays for a high scoring offense he is the number two option on that team behind Allen robinson but fortunately you're, you're not paying the price uh to get someone like that in your team because right now he's going right around the 160th player off the board that's basically at the end of drafts you're getting him for free um and he legitimately i believe he has has top 36 upside and if something were to happen to Allen Robinson Anthony Miller has shown even at Memphis that he was like a red zone magnet and you know we saw it the first year with the Bears so I think Anthony Miller is a, a potential breakout candidate you know Tex he would have been at the back end of my top 10 if I didn't know you were going to talk about him but I agree on Anthony Miller and this is what I love to see so you can go to our ECR if you just go to the Fantasy Pros homepage hover over NFL and you click rankings there it's our expert consensus rankings so uh, the expert consensus in the industry what they think ECR 49 average draft position which is ADP 55 the experts like him 12 spots higher than the general public that's the highest of anybody in the top 50 wide receivers ECR um, he's a, he's a favorite in the industry, man. There you go. All right. So I said, I've got a couple tight ends. Here's my next one. You know, tags, we've talked about this guy before. We always say, what happens if this running back gets injured? If Spencer Ware gets injured, Kareem Hunt's going to go off. If Le'Veon Bell holds out, James Conner's going to be a beast. What about this? What if Zach Ertz gets hurt? Dallas Goddard's a top five fantasy tight end. If that happens, and let's not forget Ertz has had multiple concussions, a groin tear, a strained hammy, a knee injury in college. If you're using your final bench spots and upside guys, I know you would like to go running backs and wide receivers like always. That's what I've always done too. We haven't had someone like Dallas Goddard. It's hard to find five guys with more upside to put at the end of your bench than Dallas Goddard. Yeah, Dallas Goddard is, um, you know, a friend of the show, Sigmund Bloom, we're going to have on soon. Um, he's been talking about Dallas Goddard as someone that he's willing to draft as a top 12 tight end. Like, you don't need to draft him, obviously, there, but he's saying that he believes that this duo is talented enough to have two top 12 scorers. Now, I'm not in that. I I, happen to, I think that it would take an Ertz injury in order for him to get into that territory. Not that top 12 is really that hard anymore, just because, you know, like we look at some tight ends that made it in last year in terms of like Trey Burton and, and Kyle Rudolph, who were not very good all year, but they made it into the top 10, I think it was even. So it's not to say that, but you're right. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. If you're looking for upside in your bench, Dallas Goddard is not the worst. I just did a mock draft. Uh, it was a 16-round mock draft uh, with with analysts where we have 10 starters, 6 bench spots. I drafted Zach Ertz at the 3-4 turn, so I got him late. I, I almost never end up with Zach Ertz. With my final pick, I took Dallas Goddard. I love it, man. You know, a lot of people are taking, like, Jalen Samuels here, and I get it. There's a chance that Jalen Samuels could have a great season if he, you know, replaces James Conner. Running backs do get hurt. Jalen Samuels' ADP right now is 114. We don't even know if he's the backup. It might be Benny Snell. We know Dallas Goddard would immediately be a top-five fantasy tight end in every expert's rankings. Yep, that, that would happen. All right, here's my number five. Are you ready for this, dude? This is going to change your world. <laughs> I should have told you this before you started doing best ball drafts because I have 100% exposure to this guy in the very last round as my tight end three. No one else is thinking about drafting him. 
super deep. You remember when uh, Gary Barnage broke out in 2015? Number two fantasy tight end out of nowhere. Martellus Bennett, Julius Thomas, Cameron Bray. This stuff happens just about every single season at tight end because it's a stupid, volatile position. I think I've got the tight end nailed this year that's going to do it. He's the number 39 tight end off the board tags. I'm not saying you need to draft him. You probably don't. You don't need to, even in a deeper league. In dynasty leagues, go ahead and grab him now because you're not going to be able to later. He should be on your waiver wire speed dial, though. It's Jeff Swaim of the Jags. And just listen to this, okay? In 12 games started with the Eagles in two years, including the playoffs, Nick Foles targeted Zach Ertz 109 times. That's 9.1 per game or the same as, you know, Michael Thomas last year ahead of Mike Evans, Keenan Allen. In Kansas City, Nick Foles targeted Travis Kelsey 8.5 times per start. Heck, in St. Louis... Nick Foles targeted blocking tight end Lance Kendrick 68 times in 11 starts. That's a 99 target full season pace, which would have been fifth most among tight ends last year. Swaim is not only the starting tight end in Jacksonville, but they have no number one receiver. Heck, they don't even have a number two receiver. Swaim was the most athletic tight end in the 2015 draft class. Last year, he got 26 out of 32 targets for 7.6 yards per target, which is more than Zach Ertz. We could be looking at an athletic tight end getting 100 targets this year, and he's the tight end 39. He might be on to something here. I mean, I, I really I wouldn't have thought as, of him as like a breakout candidate. But uh, the thing is, is like, you know, that article I did on team scoring and what does it mean? If there's one position that doesn't rely so much on team scoring, it's the tight end position. And you're you're basically looking for targets and knowing that Jeff Swain is you know among a, a group of receivers that aren't necessarily the guys that would demand a whole lot of targets um and you know Nick Foles having the familiarity with John DeFilippo as the offensive coordinator there there's some there's some things that I could actually see this making sense I don't I'm not ranking him in my top 12 or anything like that I'm just saying in best ball leagues I want him and you keep an eye on him for your waiver wire speed dial I definitely will keep an eye a closer eye on him um I'll be looking at everybody but yeah that's a go back and read Jeff Swaim's interview about why he signed with the Jags and this is what he says basically well, uh, Nick Foles loves tight ends, and I want the ball, so it was pretty obvious. I've got no competition at tight end, so like I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna get the ball. Let's do this. Nice. He looks. I mean, he looks solid when he was healthy last year. He just didn't get a whole lot of targets with Dallas. Yeah. Yep. All right. On to uh, number four, then Tags. Well, actually, at number five, you went two in a row. You went Goddard and him. That's fine. That's did I? Okay, I was too excited about Jeff Swain, which is not something I thought I'd say. <laughs> it's all good. I'll give my number five and number four here, so we can keep moving. Um, so number five is Damian Harris of the Patriots. I've said that Sony Michelle. While I think Sony Michelle is starting to fall a little bit too far in drafts, I'd, I'd be willing to draft him. But I'd be willing to draft both of these guys actually at their current costs because. Uh, Damian Harris is going as the 143rd overall player. We're talking about like the, it's like the 13th round, essentially where you would get him 13, 14th round. Sometimes in analyst drafts, he's going sooner and sooner. People are picking up on this. Whereas Sony Michelle is starting to fall around that RB 20 range. So if you pay RB 20 for Sony Michelle and then grab Damian Harris, that is one of the guys I'm willing to pay for his handcuff. Like I don't believe in handcuffing running backs that you have to do it or anything, but this is a situation where I believe one of those guys is going to be a top 15 running back each and every single week. It's just, you know, which one's going to be the starter i think it's sony i think they have damian harris is, is a somewhat of expensive insurance but i love damian harris uh in the later rounds that's uh it's hard to find a guy that literally would walk into a spot where he'd be a top 15 running back and he would be one of them yep i think so as well you remember 2016 obviously tags when legarrett blunt rushed for 18 touchdowns he was a top seven fantasy running back that's what this offense does 
If Damian Harris was the starting running back for the Patriots, we'd all be drafting him top 15, and he'd probably surprise us all and finish in the top 10. That's just what they produce. So we'll see what happens with Harris. He's a great backup running back. Uh, I believe in Sony Michelle's talent. It's just whether or not his knee holds up. Yep, that's basically where I'm at with it. And I, I so Damian Harris is probably going to like have a touchdown here or there, but I'm not going to rely on him unless something happens to Sony. All right, Tag. So you're at number four now. I've got two guys that I think you might take. In fact, my number three, I think, is probably on your list because we both like him quite a bit. All right. So number four for me, yeah, is Jameis Winston. Okay. I mean, I've got him as QB6, so you know I agree. Yeah, Jameis Winston, we've talked about him ad nauseum on the show and the fact that, you know, you don't have to be a dominant real quarterback in order to post fantasy numbers, but Jameis Winston has shown the ability at times to look really good. He's made a lot of boneheaded decisions, which has gotten him pulled out of games, which has gotten him benched, but Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't there anymore. There's not a competent backup that's going to steal that job from him. This is the year, basically, the Bucks are going to decide, do we like extend him to a big contract or do we move on and we have to draft a new quarterback? So they're going to find out what they have in him. The reason that you want to draft him is because he has maybe the most talented pass catching core in the league. You know, when it comes to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, Cameron Brait, uh, there's a whole lot to like here. So, you know, we, we, we've talked about it, you know, so much with him. So I don't think we need to d- dig too deep on this, but uh, I don't have him at QB six, but I do have him in my top 10. So one more thing, his ECR ADP difference is plus five. Uh, the closest thing to that is, let's see here. Plus four, Kirk Cousins, QB 23 to QB 19. Jameis Winston, the public has him at 16. ECR has him at 11 ahead of Jared Goff, Big Ben, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Phillip Rivers. He's a great pick. I want him in so many leagues, man. That's how I feel about him. And I mean, I'm okay with him. There's other options that you can go with. Obviously, I talked about Dak Prescott already, but it's uh, this is a year where you can definitely wait at quarterback and be okay. All right, Tags, here's my number three. This is the one that I think you probably have on your list. You know, Lamar Jackson threw 22 passes per game last year. How many do you think the Ravens throw this year? Maybe 25? Yeah, that's probably about right. Baltimore also ran a league-high 70 plays per game last year. Let's say they run just the league average of 63. They drop seven plays, and they pass more. Jackson passes the ball 25 times. Heck, let's move him to 28. That's 35 carries per game for the Ravens, and we're being conservative here. Jackson is going to rush for, what, a dozen? That would put him 70 carries beyond Michael Vick's most in a single season. Mark Ingram's capped at 14 or 15. That's what he's always been throughout his career. That leaves seven to nine carries for Reggie Bush 2.0, as you've coined him, Tags. It's Justice Hill. He almost made my top 10 list. Like, I debated putting him on there, but I just couldn't put him over some of the other names. But Justice Hill, phenomenal, phenomenal pick. And if, you know, Mark Ingram, all we've ever seen of Mark Ingram is playing in the Saints offense. It could be like a situation, it could be a situation where it's like he played in a dominant offense. He's just like, he's just like another Carlos Hyde type running back, but he happened to be in a really, really, really good offense. And maybe he's just not as good as people think. I mean, he's 30 years old. We're talking about how much Latavius Murray's value is propped up by going there. Why is Mark Ingram's value not propped up when he was there and now it's going to go down? He's 30 years old. He, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Hill steals this job from him. It's possible as the year goes on, if they see him dominating the passing game, like if, if Lamar Jackson uses his running backs a little bit more in the passing game, we need to see that. Obviously, it's a new offense they're installing there, so we don't really know what to expect, but we do know one thing is that Justice Hill, despite being you know somewhat smaller of a running back, uh, you know I think he's right around 200 pounds. He does have that Reggie Bush skill set. Um, I don't, he's not as durable, I don't think, as, as Bush is. But at the same time, he did carry a big workload in college. So he's shown the ability to handle it if they want him to do it. So obviously they believed in. 
We saw Philip Lindsay last year, right? Philip Lindsay touched the ball a lot, and he was good. I think Justice Hill. You say Reggie Bush. I think he's a bigger, faster, stronger, better Philip Lindsay. And uh, let's keep in mind too, Justice Hill might lead this team in targets. It's either him or who? Willie Sneed, Jordan Lasley. So 125 carries, 90 targets, lightning in a bottle. This is Tariq Cohen. He was a top 15 fantasy running back last year. I don't know, man. I, I, I love his floor and I love his ceiling. I like the upside. I'm, I'm willing to take him in best ball for sure. I like him in dynasty formats because that team is, you know, they're they're obviously building for the run game around Lamar Jackson. And if something happened to Lamar Jackson, they, they're going to be using uh, the running backs in the passing game a lot more and they're going to be passing a lot more. So I think that all goes into Justice Hill. And ideally, when you're drafting a, a backup running back, you're looking for someone with a three down skill set. And we know that Justice Hill has that. We know that Gus Edwards does not. We know that Kenneth Dixon not really the most talented pass catcher and they obviously like justice hill enough to draft him this year so i i dig it all right who's your number three my number three is uh none other than mitch trubisky he's another one that we've talked about in the show because we did our quarterback primer not too long ago we talked about the quarterback position uh but it kind of goes back to the Jameis winston conversation where it's like you look at the weapons that he has available to him you look at his uh his play caller and matt Nagy. it's the second year in the offense most people don't realize that Every single player that he was throwing to in the wide receiver and tight end core last year was different. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, none of them were on the team when he was a rookie in 2017. So learning a new offense, learning the new players, like the nuances of an offense, like the second year in it, it's going to help him develop. Like the wide receivers are going to be better. Allen Robinson's not coming off the torn ACL this time. Anthony Miller isn't going to be playing through a dislocated shoulder. They added David Montgomery to help provide another outlet in the passing game that's going to be better than Jordan Howard. Tariq Cohen is back. Obviously, that's going to help matters. His offensive line is solid. There's so many reasons to like him and, you know, dissecting what pass catcher is going to go off each week, which running back take Trubisky. I mean, I don't think it's out of the question that he throws for 4000 yards and let's say 25 touchdowns. And then he rushes for, you know, 500 yards and rushes in three touchdowns. You're looking at a t- top eight fantasy quarterback, and that's not even factoring in upside of passing because I happen to think he can be a much better passer than people think. Bobby mentioned at the top of the show when it came to the whole Brady numbers about his completion percentages and yards per attempt. Matt Nagy's offense is very good. Andy Reid was not kidding when he said that Matt Nagy was his best assistant that he's ever had, the most pro-ready assistant that he's ever had, and Matt Nagy showed it winning coach of the year uh, in his first year with the Bears. So I have faith in Nagy. I have faith in Trubisky to grow as a player, and I have faith in the players around him. That's why Trubisky, as the QB 19 off the board, that is madness. Madness. I hate everything about Chicago sports, but as a fantasy sports analyst, I can't stop hyping up this Bears offense, man. I love Allen Robinson. I love Anthony Miller. I like Trey Burton. I love Tariq Cohen. Mitch Trubisky is a great runner, and he's going to get the passing yards. He's got a lot of upside. He has the best three-game fantasy stretch in fantasy football history last year. I think he could be a top-five quarterback, man. Uh, I'm not going to say it's like the same type of upside that we all knew Patrick Mahomes had, but if I'm looking at guys outside the top 12 who could bust out and maybe be a top three, top five guy— I think Trubisky maybe tops that list ahead of Kyler Murray. Yeah, that's where I'm at. And I actually have a bet with Mike from uh, the footballers uh, with Trubisky and Kyler Murray. Uh, Him and I went head to head on an edible arrangement that we'd have to send whoever loses that bet. So I took Trubisky. He took (laughs) Kyler Murray. I like it, man. I think you're going to lose, but I like it. It's fair. It's it's a pretty close bet, to be honest with you. I have them right next to each other in the rankings. Right. Here's my number two. Um, I haven't talked a ton about this guy. And, you know, I've talked extensively about David Moore and Josh Gordon. 
Uh, I'm not going to do that again until next month when all the casual fantasy football coaches start to tune in. That way I don't just bore you with saying the same guys over and over. Obviously, they'd be number one and number two on my list. If you want to find out why about Josh Gordon, go back to last show. If you want to find out why about more, go back to any show or just tune into my Twitter. Instead, I want to turn your attention to someone that I believe has a huge ceiling this year. He's my favorite impact rookie in this year's class, at least for wide receivers. It's Paris Campbell. So I get it. Andrew Luck likes to spread the ball around, and the Colts did add Devin Funches, but I'm betting on the Colts' second-round pick beating out Devin Funches for the job, right? Campbell's an electric athlete with the ball in his hands with incredible combine measurements. Uh, If he starts, I think you can use Campbell most weeks. But now here's this, too. What if 30-year-old, 175-pound T.Y. Hilton gets hurt? He saw 8.6 targets per game last year. If you think Devin Funches becomes the possession receiver for Andrew Luck, you're nuts. Campbell is the same mold of player as Hilton. He's bigger. He's faster. He could be a strong wide receiver, too, in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, if something happened to Hilton, I could buy into that. Um, but right now, it's it's tough because you, you think about the tight ends and that they use Doyle, they use Ebron. Uh, they have, you know, T.Y. Hilton. They have Devin Funches, who they signed in free. Naheem Hines. Yeah, they have Hines. And that's where it's like, okay, what? where is he at in the pecking order? And this is a Colts team that doesn't necessarily throw a whole lot. And that's why I think Andrew Luck, that we saw him not pile up, you know, massive fantasy games. Because uh, I think there was just one game all year that he had more than, like, 24 fantasy points. I can't remember the exact number right now, but he just basically lacked the ceiling that you would want, uh, you know, when drafting a quarterback that high. Not to say that those games can't happen in 2019. They can. The defense could take a step back. He has some more, you know, pass attempts. But I just worry about Paris Campbell from a perspective that like where does he fall in the pecking order? How many targets can he actually get a game? Because last year the receiver core was like just ugly it was nasty um so that's why we saw chester rogers get the targets he did yeah we have no idea what they're gonna do now that chester rogers isn't their starter right chester rogers can he's actually the starter right now it's just oh he's well he was running ahead of paris campbell in their <laughs> offseason workouts we'll see once preseason starts and stuff like that how fast uh, paris campbell catches on but campbell is lightning in a bottle man like that guy every time he touches the ball you got to worry about him taking it you know to the house so he's he's a baller that's for sure Yep. All right. Who is your number two? Number two is a guy that was on this list for me last year and people continually undervalue him. Um, He's moving up recently. So, um, you know, by the time you listen to this, he may have moved up even more, but it's Geronimo Allison. It is extremely rare to find a a wide receiver going around the 10th or 11th round uh, that offers you top 24 upside. And that's exactly what Geronimo Allison does. He, you know, last year, he only played a quarter of the season before getting hurt and then basically missing the entire three quarters of the season. But in those first four games, he was a top 26 fantasy wide receiver. Granted, some was based on touchdowns, but it was a very vanilla offense. It was very boring. Aaron Rodgers had arguably the worst year of his career. And uh, Allison was still the number 26 receiver. We saw Devontae Adams, you know, do what he did. So with Matt LaFleur coming there, we don't know what this offense will look like. Uh, things can change, obviously. But I know one thing, and that's that Aaron Rodgers works on trust. And he trusts Geronimo Allison with everything. He, he always talks good about him any chance he gets to. So I will take the number two wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers. You know, uh, Geronimo Allison might be the wide receiver I most won on my team, according to his ADP, uh, even over David Moore. Because David Moore is kind of, you know, it's a lottery ticket. What if he starts? He'd be great. Geronimo Allison's starting, and Geronimo Allison is great, and Geronimo Allison has the best quarterback in the game. I'm sorry to uh, Patrick Mahomes guys and Tom Brady people. I think Aaron Rodgers is still the best in the game. He played with a broken leg last year, people. He played with a strained knee, 
and he still only threw two interceptions. He had a low touchdown rate. That's the only difference. He's always been a top two fantasy quarterback every time he's healthy. And, uh, you know, now he's now he's healthy. We'll see if he, if it maintains. But every single year is wide receiver two is a stud. Geronimo Allison is that number two. You talked about the touchdowns tags. You prorate his first four games out to a full season. Eleven hundred and fifty six yards. 76 receptions. Man. That's that's actually bigger than I thought it would have been. He is quite good. You know what? I'm going to let you go first with number one because I'm I'm going to save mine till the end. Well, that's fair. That's fair, man. Um, the guy that I'm about to take right here is uh, it is extremely like the, the reason he's number one is because it's absolutely mind boggling to me that you can get a player that can finish as a top 15 fantasy running back outside the top 100 picks like that's just hold on. I want to try to guess who this is. It blows my mind. You know who it is already. And this is a guy that's going to start for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say Latavius Murray, man. No, I like Latavius Murray. I don't know. Is is Murray going outside the top 100? No, he's not. He's actually going before Ronald Jones. There's a, there's a, there's quite a few backups that are actually being drafted ahead of Ronald Jones right now. And I understand why people are worried. I, I really do. But, you know, just like take a journey with me back to, you know, when, when Andre Ellington started for Bruce Arians. Everybody was like, this guy's too small. He can't hold up. He's a fine player, but whatever. And then all of a sudden he's putting up RB1, RB2 numbers seemingly every single week until he gets hurt. The next year it was like, there were concerns about him the next year. Can he hold up? You know, and basically he was being drafted right around that RB15 to RB20 range. And then he did get hurt and then his career kind of fell apart and nobody else. And then it was old Chris Johnson and he was still good there too. Yeah. Chris Johnson, Adrian Peterson, when he walked in, you know, like the first game that he played there, he scored two touchdowns. So it's like David Johnson, 20 touchdowns man yeah Bruce Arians they're not going to be throwing the ball 650 times like Dirk Cutter and Todd Munkin did last year they want to get back to the run game a little bit now that's going to be difficult because their defense is that bad but this is a team that's going to run much better under Bruce Arians and knowing that they didn't take a running back in the draft knowing that they they probably could get Duke Johnson for next to nothing right now they haven't done that and if if they could do Johnson this changes everything but but right now they're content all off season. We've heard Jameis Winston. We've heard Bruce Arians talk about how good Ronald Jones has looked. Like he posted a picture, like he looks in great shape. Uh, I, I was never worried about his conditioning. That wasn't like my concern about him. We know Peyton Barber is a plotter. We we know that he's not going to be the, the running back of the future for your team. So let's find out what we have in the early second round pick that we took last year. Let's find out. And I'm willing more than willing to reach a round or two for Ronald Jones to find out if that if that something is more. And I think it can be in Bruce Arians offense. I like Ronald Jones upside uh, because of the situation tags. This is really funny. My number one is Bruce Anderson running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. OK, I mean, for the same reason, same same reason. OK, a, a little bit different, though. OK, so listen to this. His ADP right now, 302. And this is someone that uh, might not even need an injury to be a starter, right? Uh, it's not like an Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, James Conner type of situation. It's maybe Alfred Morris. You remember him when he wasn't being drafted and then everyone found out in the last week before the season started. Wait a second. Alfred Morris is starting and he runs for 1,600 yards as a rookie. We're Philip Lindsay last year, right? This stuff happens, especially when you get a new coach. And we know Bruce Arians. He runs a zone running scheme and he said he doesn't want to start running back in Tampa. He has no ties to Ronald Jones draft capital. We all know that Arians had a chance to go get a running back. And the one he got, Bruce Anderson, who just happens to fit the Arians mold perfectly. He wants a bigger one cut back who can catch the ball. For instance, you talked about Andre Ellington. What about uh, his first year? Fifth round rookie Vic Bollard was his guy. He went nine and three under Arians with Vic Bollard at his running back. Jones has bad hands. When's the last time 
that Bruce Arians started a running back with bad hands. Jones might have the worst hands of any starting running back in football. Peyton Barber might be the worst running back in football. And then there's Anderson, who's a great pass catcher. He's a great special teams guy. He's big. He's a one-cut guy. He's the Bruce Arians mold of running backs. I think he's got a 20-30% chance of starting. And if he does in this offense, you get him for free. This is the steal of the century, man. I refuse to say that Ronald Jones has bad hands. I don't know. We don't know that. We haven't seen enough to do that. He wasn't he wasn't used in a big receiving role while at USC, but that's because Sam Darnold didn't like check down. He wasn't a check down quarterback. Um so I'm unwilling to say that he he's unable to do it. We Peyton Barber's not an above average receiver. This is the reason though. Like that's why I'm not willing to say Ronald Jones is a top 20 running back in terms of my rankings, even though I, I'm pretty sure he's a starter. Sure. If I knew he was a starter, I'd, dra- I'd draft him there. The thing is, is like, even if I know he's a starter, I, I I can't move him into the top 20 range because I don't believe that he's an elite three down back. Like, I don't think that he's an elite pass catcher, but that's the reason I think OJ Howard to me is going to be a breakout star is because those, those, the correlation between tight end targets and running back targets, those matter. Um, so knowing that there's not a running back on the roster that like dominates those targets, I think OJ Howard can go off, but but Ronald, like I said, to find a running back, a starting running back outside the top 100, y'all are sleeping on Ronald Jones. I agree, man. I I, th- I want Ronald Jones, and I wouldn't mind getting Bruce Anderson. At the very least, someone to uh, just keep an eye on in the preseason and see if he shines and if there's any indication that he might be an Alfred Morris or a failed Plinsy. That's all I'm saying. This was fun, man, especially the uh, the Jeff Swaim introduction to uh, to our fantasy world. It was a blast. It was a blast. It's going to be the I love these sleeper episodes, man. For sure. It was a good time. And that's the thing. I, I feel like uh, as this offseason goes on, we're going to see a lot of the players that we talked about move up draft boards. Yep. All right, guys, remember to check out our cheat sheet creator if you want. Uh, premium members get all kinds of perks and benefits and you can get it for free. You deposit $10 to Yahoo DFS that you can win money with. So it's basically a six-month Hall of Fame subscription for free. You can check that out at fantasypros.com slash offer. And also check out our Travis Kelsey signed helmet giveaway at fantasypros.com slash contest. And thanks to the sponsor of today's show, pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. For Mike Deglier, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.